Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. So I'm going to share a little bit. Uh, we shared a little bit Sunday, and so share tonight a little bit. Uh, Brother Sean asked me, what do we title this message? I don't title any message, but I had to throw one out. So I just said, looking through the eyes of a missionary. So, uh, you know, it's, I didn't come out of Bible school seeing things a certain way. I certainly didn't get saved, you know. You come out of Bible school and you see, some, see it one way, and then you do it for 20 years and then, or whatever, and then you're like, Wait a minute now, it's, you know, it's, it's different than what I thought. So, um, you know, so you see things different. And so, uh, you know, I come into church, and really any church. I was A couple weeks ago, I was up in central PA and, you know, wandering into that church, wandering into this church, any church. And, you know, the church has a divine purpose that, you know, when you look at a church and I'm standing here, I can feel, to me, it's like you feel it different than what I used to. When I used to come into church, I would think walls, beauty, you know, however many people, carpet, pews. Now I don't see any of that. So what, what you see now, I, I see, uh, it looks like in Spanish, in equipo, like a, a team. God has brought a team together and we happen to be sitting on pews. We happen to be under this roof versus any, we could be in any roof, but this roof. We happen to be sitting in these pews. But See what I'm saying? We are created, we are brought together for a purpose. So to me, as a missionary, I don't see walls, roof, carpet. You can put us out in the, in the street, it'll still feel the same to me. Is that we are brought together as a team under this pastor to fulfill a calling, to, to do something for God. And so I'm going to share with you guys a little bit tonight, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's a different message, just because I see things different, I guess. So, um, but anyway, you know, I did a message, it's been a few years ago, on America, the Christian nation. And, um, you know, I shared these things, uh, you know, we've all heard that America was founded on Christian principles, but I had no idea how Christian it was until you study it, and then you realize, you know, our founding fathers... Uh, in Congress, they would pray and fast for days before they'd even meet to act on laws. And so when you go back and, and read the Declaration of Independence, when you read uh, these different things, uh, you know, all the way up through, you know, Abraham Lincoln, you know, maybe our, our greatest president, uh, you know, a lot of people would say, you know, these guys, before they made laws, they would get on their face and seek God. Many of them, not all, but many of them would see God pray and fast for days, get this revelation, and then they would vote on it and put it into practice. And so, uh, during that message, America to Christian Nation, uh, that we did, um, obviously we weren't, we weren't acting Christian in a lot of ways, but uh, in other ways we were. So, um, you know, if you go... Back, you know, America, the U.S., 
was, uh, I'm not going back to the indigenous. I'm not talking, um, you know, the indigenous. That's, a, that's another message. But, uh, you know, when folks came here for 400 years, they prayed in school and they would learn their ABCs through the Bible. And so they would, you know, through scriptures. And they'd be like, wait a minute, now we're only 200 years old. I'm going all the way back to, you know, 1600s. And so we're, you know, we're still a colony and such. And so, anyway, in 1962 and 63, when um, they took, actually it was a woman from Pittsburgh. I don't know if you knew that. She's from uh, uh, Bellevue in Pittsburgh, uh, near Mount Washington. But was living in Maryland, and she, she became an atheist, didn't want her kid to have to pray in school. And so went to the Supreme Court, and they took, they took uh, prayer. And uh, it happened two, two consecutive cases. Took prayer out of school and took Bible reading out of school. But at that time, the U.S., it was like 92% Christian claimed Christianity, uh, you know, relationship with God. Within five years, <clears throat> a... Uh, uh, you know, within five years, violent crime went up 500%. And what began to me, we call it the hippie movement. I call it, you know, to me as a movement of rebellion is, uh, you know, we're burning, to be frank, burning underwear in the street and just doing stupid things. And, uh, you know, we're not going to wear deodorant. We're not, you know, we're going to burn these things in the street. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And, and um, you know, and so we challenge everything, including God. And to me, just because they changed their clothes, and no longer wear tie-dye shirts, that movement has not stopped. And so, unfortunately, it, it, it's grown, and um, it, it's, affected, it's affected America. Uh, so, I, I went back and, and looked, just out of curiosity. Now, I'm saying all this, this isn't the thrust of our message. I'm just painting a little bit of background drop, and then we'll, we'll get into the message. But I, I went back and looked to see how the states are today. If it was 92% Christian after 400 years, where have we gone since then? And so once again, looking at things as a big picture as a missionary, uh, I went back to look <clears throat> at the states where Christianity is still very strong in the U.S. And this isn't difficult to figure out, but uh, states, the top 10 most Christian states in America are all in the South. And so... You know, you all know that. As soon as you drive across the border, you get a big glass of sweet tea, and somebody hands you a track and a Bible. So, so but anyway, the top ten uh, most Christian states, it, now when I say that, they, you know, they, the Pew, uh, what's it called, Pew, what's it called? Survey. Pew Survey uh, surveyed people, and this is what they came, obviously they didn't interview everybody in the state, but they took a group, and they determined that the, most, uh, the state that still claims Christianity is strongest is Alabama, 77%, Mississippi at 74%, Tennessee uh, is 71%, and these are all hovering around there, Louisiana, Arkansas, South Carolina. Number seven is West Virginia. So uh, Georgia is eight, Oklahoma, nine, North Carolina, 10 right around 62%. The states with the least amount of Christianity, once again, a third grader could probably pass his test. They're all in the Northeast and in the West. So um, Vermont, it's about as Northeast as you can get. Only 32% of people still adhere to Christianity. 32%. 
In Vermont, Massachusetts, 33%, New Hampshire, 33%, Maine, 34%, Alaska, 41%, Connecticut, 42%, Montana, 44%, Nevada, 44%, Washington State and Wisconsin are both at 44%. So uh, the Baptists did a great job in the South, and, uh, you know, but the North has, uh, and, you know, you can, you can see it. So, you know, if we're going to be honest. So, the local states, uh, the tri-state area, West Virginia is at 64% of the state uh, is still adhering to, to uh, Christianity. Ohio is 56%. Pennsylvania is at 51%. Um, so, local counties, Beaver County is at 51%, same as PA. Um, Columbiana County is at... It, it, uh, um, I must have wrote this down wrong, so I'm not even going to say it. But uh, Hancock County's it, it uh, we're at uh, 55 percent. So as you drive through West Virginia, the more south you get, the more the more Christian you feel. As a side note, I don't know if you remember a few years ago, my daughter she ended up on Fox News um, <clears throat> from praying the situation with prayer and Beaver. Remember this? And um, so anyway, you know, thankfully she was brave enough praying anyway, and so. Uh, Anyway, we wound up on Fox News for four or five days. They covered it. The interesting thing, just after that, now I'm from Brayton Township, but things are a lot cheaper in West Virginia, I'll be honest with you. So anyway, so we moved to West Virginia, and so which is only 20 minutes, you know, Beaver's 20 minutes one way, West Virginia's 20 minutes the other. So we moved to West Virginia, and the very first uh, assembly that his school had, Oak Glen School had, was a bluegrass band doing gospel music. We leave Beaver, where she couldn't pray, and just across the other state line. So, and then soon after, they asked me to be the chaplain of the football team. I asked, I asked them, I'm like, hey, what can I share? What can I share? And they're like, what, what do you mean, what can't you share? I'm like, what, what, what can I say? And they're like, you say anything you want. I'm like, what are you saying? I can pray, tell scripture? He said, pray as much as anything you want. So with the principal's office for me to, to chuck, I, I read scriptures, I had them bow their head, invite Jesus in their heart, pray with them. They're like, great job, we appreciate that, look forward to seeing you next week. I'm like, wow. So, thank God. So, uh, anyway, I'm from PA, but it, it's amazing 20 minutes in one direction, what, you know, how the culture can change. But uh, missions today, I did a study on uh, Christianity <clears throat> The fastest places that Christianity are growing in the world, 19 out of 20 of the countries, there's about 200 countries in the world, there's 196, 19 of 20 countries are in Asia or Africa. And so some of the most evangelized places I've been to are in Africa, south of, south of the Sahara. So uh, Sahara in north is more, has a Middle East feel, uh, primary Muslim, uh, when you get north of the Sahara, you know, Sahara North. Uh, south of the Sahara is, like I said, they were evangelized by some of the greatest evangelists that ever ever lived. So there, there's places like, you know, 90% Christian. So some places, not all, but some. <clears throat> but anyway, 19 of the 20 fastest growing places in the world for Christianity are in Asia and uh, in parts of Africa. The least evangelized place in the world uh, we would call the 1040 window, which is, once again, the Sahara. I don't know if you noticed, I got stranded in the Sahara Desert one time. Do not do that. Fill your vehicle up with gas. 
when you when you cross it and then you won't run out of gas and get stranded like we did. So, but the Sahara Desert is almost the size of the U.S. It is mammoth. And that is a big, big sand pit. So, uh, but anyway, it had been conquered somewhere around five or six hundred A.D. Um, actually, a little bit after that, by by Muslims. To be on, to be honest with you. So, uh, much of the Sahara region, even though it's in northern Africa, is uh, you're in the Middle East. And so, um, uh, these are that and the Middle East. They call it a 1040 window, but that and the Middle East is the least evangelized Christian places on earth. So, <clears throat> the 1040 window. And then the church is declining the fast in the world. Um, you know, and once again, this isn't difficult. You're going to feel it's uh, the western part of Europe, not eastern, but the western part of Europe. And they say that uh, Spain and Italy, that uh, unfortunately the Christianity is declining faster there than anywhere in the world. And so, um, you know, it's a travesty. So, <clears throat> there's a couple factors there. Um, so, once again, it's in Western Europe, which we, we would say has been greatly impacted by what we would call secularism, which is you replace God with entertainment. And so now I'm going to play on my phone eight hours. I'm going to watch TV. I'm going to do all this. And so these areas that are just inundated with entertainment, it becomes addictive. I don't know if you know this, but telephones are addictive. I know people. They'll play on their phone. They can't put it down. They, you know, they put it down and they got to pick it back up. And so, um, you know, you got to be careful that your phone doesn't become your God uh, or some other form of entertainment. So, uh, you know, things like that. And so that part of Europe is the hardest place I ever preached in England. Uh, is, is, was the hardest place until we just did these three trips three years in a row to Iceland. Uh, we were just in Iceland, and they say it's the hardest country in Europe to, to share the gospel in. And uh, we would try to hand, I was trying to hand out a track. I'd try to hand them to 30 people, and 29 would say no. That's not to receiving the gospel. That's to taking the track. It was that offensive that I don't want to put it in my hand. And so one out of 30 would take the track, and then they'd say, okay, I'll look at it. And trying to share the gospel, that's a whole different level or layer. You can't even put a track in most people's hands in Iceland. And so, but once again, that's, that's tremendous uh, Western Europe, uh, you know, influence or flair. And so, uh, very, very, very difficult. Now, Eastern Europe, uh, the strangest, this is going to sound odd, and so when I say it, don't stone me or anything like that. But uh, anyway, in countries where there's great oppression, communist countries, things like that, Sometimes the gospel flourishes, and they're, they're suffering, and they're looking for an answer, but they also don't have phones. They don't have TV. In Cuba, I think they have three channels. And so uh, in these greatly oppressed areas, they're seeking God like we did 100 years ago in the U.S., which is we created these giant buildings all around us. You know, if you drive through Beaver, not counting the courthouse, probably the top 10 biggest buildings are churches. And so... You know, same in these Liverpool, Beaver Falls, or wherever you go. And so, today, in these, you know, there's five communist countries left in the world. 
uh, you know, in these areas and these other highly oppressed areas, that the gospel is, is flourishing. So, so the question is, as, you know, once again, talking as a missionary, how do we fit in? If we are not walls, if we're not a ceiling, if we're not carpet, but we are a group, a body brought together to fulfill a goal, right? And I'll be honest with you, you know, you have to train your mind to think that way. Christian Assembly Church is not 6241 Tuscarora's Road. It is not a building or property. God could care less if you're sitting in His pew or if we're sitting in chairs out in the parking lot. He, he really doesn't care. This is not a building. The church is us brought together to fulfill a goal. Only. Right? So now, you know, they're trying to be kind to you. You know, they're trying to be kind to you and provide you a pew and provide you air conditioning and, and a roof, but it's got really nothing to do with the church. It, it is for comfort. But unfortunately in America, it is very easy to become introverted that we look at Pew and then we look at another church. Oh, they got a bigger church. Or they have, they have this. They have better pews than we have. Or they have. Listen, God could care less about that. And so those are things are just for comfort so you can sit there and pay attention for an hour. And so, once again, if we moved out to the grass behind the cares house, that's the church, not the building. And so, God brought us together. So God brought us together to fulfill a goal. And so I want to talk to you tonight a little bit about fulfilling our destiny. And uh, once again, I shared it Sunday, is that if our end goal, you know, they said Mother Teresa, <laughs> one of the greatest hearts to ever walk the planet, love her. And so our doctrine might not line up on every level, but what a fantastic heart that woman had. And so, you know, they said the older she got, the more direct she became. She, they said she went to Congress one time and was talking about abortion, and I guess she offended every person in there. When she left, they clapped for her. And so I find myself in the same boat. I've been doing this long enough. Hey, I'm just, <laughs> just going to say it. So um, I'll be honest with you. If we come in, and every church has this. I'm not saying, I'm not just talking about Christian assembly. I'm talking about every church in America. If we wander in and, you know what, if the pew is what we're interested in, if we're interested in the AC, if we're interested in this, and we're interested in getting our ears tickled and getting some, another message, things like that, if that is the end product of our Christianity, we are blowing it. We, we, are, we are totally missing it. 100%. And so the end game for Christianity has nothing to do with any of us. None of us. And so we are vessels of light to bring light to another. And so God would have us blessed. God would have us prosper. God would want us healthy. This is all true. But he's wanting to move us, blessed, prospered, and healthy, to help another, to help someone else. When God looks at us, he sees someone else. He's using us to get the gospel into someone else. And so uh, as a missionary, it's interesting. I travel, once again, it's... I've done this long enough. I don't see buildings. I don't see anything. I, I just see potential. How do we put these pieces together to create something for good? How to, to create good, to create life, to create you know, light uh, to someone else. And so I'm going to share with you a little bit. How do we get there? How do we fulfill that? How do we fulfill uh, our purpose in God? Right? So, number one, <clears throat> I want to encourage you. You know, the Bible says be a doer and not a hearer only. And so, everybody say, I'm a, I'm a doer. 
if we are not doing, once again, to be honest, if we are not doing God wants us to do, I'll put it that way, is God wants us to be a doer. You know, we have, uh, you know, we have certain people around the church, and anytime I call out a name, I offend somebody else. But uh, I'm, I'm going to use the kids, okay, because I'm trying to motivate, I'm trying to move these kids. You know, Harris Burdine is like the Holy Ghost, Anywhere you go around the church, anywhere you go, there's Harris. And so he's on the streets, he's out here, he's over here, he's everywhere. And so, you know, Shiloh, she's the same way. She's the welcome team, she's here, she's there. That's it. We need to glean from that. All of us need to be, be like that. And so I don't care, I don't know if their parents are beating them, they're making them a con- I don't know what's happening. But all I know is they're here and they're doing it. So whatever they're doing, keep doing it. So... Uh, Anyway, that, that's how the body grows. In, in Matthew 14, <clears throat> I'm going to paraphrase this. Paul, you can put this up if, if you want. And so talking about fulfilling our destiny in God. Uh, in, in Matthew 14, um, just to share, share the story. The Bible says Jesus goes up on the mountain to pray. And uh, here, as he's up in the mountain praying... <clears throat> He comes down, the Bible says, about the fourth watch of the night, which is probably around 3 to 6 a.m. Comes down, and the boat is far out on the, on the sea, and he, and he walks across the water. You all know the story. And he's walking across the water, and he, these are professional fishermen, the apostles. Some of these guys are professionals. They look across, they see Jesus' silhouette, and they think it's a ghost, and, and you know, they become afraid. Like, oh, it's a ghost. And Jesus said, no, ho, it's just me. Peter has this ingenious idea, Lord, if it's you, you know, tell me to come. And, you know, it's kind of his litmus test. If it's truly Jesus, he'll ask me to do something impossible. And so, you know, it was one word came rolling across the waves. What did he say? Come. And so without thinking about it, Peter jumps out of the side of the boat. And instead of hearing a splash, they heard a thud. And, and, and Peter lands on solid water. And then we go ahead and beat Peter up because he starts to doubt and starts to sink. But listen, he walked on water. Right? So, anyway, Peter's walking on water. And, you know, it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful thing we talk about. But the tragedy of the story, out of 12 apostles, only one dared to jump. And, uh, you know, I use a story. I preached this years ago. But, uh, anyway, most of you probably didn't hear it, so I'll share it again. But, anyway, you know, they say, well, how do you know all 12 could jump? Well, I believe, I believe he could for this reason. If you go back to Lazarus' tomb, remember this, he showed up. He was dead and stood outside the tomb. And what did he say? He said, called him by name, didn't he? Lazarus, Lazarus only, Lazarus, come forth. And of course, Lazarus came, came forth. And, uh, you know, they, they had to take his grave clothes off and all that. So the question is, what if he would have just stood out of the tomb and said, come forth? You know, he probably would have cleared out the whole grave. Everybody in there would have rose. But he called him by name, Lazarus. Lazarus only come forth. And Lazarus came forth. But back at the boat, what did he say? He said, come. And so out of all the apostles, only one dared to jump. And so I don't know about you, but I want to be one that dares to jump. I want to experience the impossible. I want to do what God's called me to do. And God has called all of us, all of you, to jump in some form or fashion. And so it's important that we are active. You know, if we, if we choose to serve God... Um, and it's not God's perfect will, how many of you know He'll forgive you? 
you know, if, if, we, if we serve God in some form or fashion, and, um, you know, it, it's, it's, this isn't God's perfect calling in my life, it, he's not going to get mad. He'll, you'll be all right. We'll, we'll be all right. So, uh, plus, we'll be able to help somebody else uh, bridge the gap and get something, something done that he's called us to do. You know, the Bible says this, that the body grows... Now, once again, with our target in mind, these people in mind are Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and other parts of the world. How do we reach them? If this is our target, I'm sharing with you how we can reach them. The Bible says that the body, which is who? This is us, not the walls. I'm not talking about a ceiling or a wall or building a bigger church building. But the body, the Bible promises us, will grow. The body will grow. That's us. The body will grow when... Each person, each member does their part. God has a part for us, for you, for me. We have a part to play. And the Bible says when those parts come together and each person does their part, he promises us that that body will grow. And so uh, the question is what happens when each member does not do their part? Well, then, I mean, that hinders that growth, that, that hampers that growth. I can look back on, our, on you know, the mission experiences we've had, <clears throat> on what we've done, and uh, you know, I shared the other day, first of all, as I share these things, I'm sharing for a reason, but you know, I wouldn't have my next breath if God didn't give it to me. So any, anything I say, I, I realize it's Him, it's not me. You know, so um, you know, it's 100% Him. But we're, you know, we're thankful that we just passed a million souls last year. Once again, that's Him, it's not me. Uh, we're thankful that we saw, we've seen a you know, thousand church plants, you know, uh, most of their house churches in Cuba and things like that. We're thankful for that. Once again, I get no credit. He gets all the credit. I wouldn't be saved if he didn't save me. And so that's all him. You know, we think we're thankful for 56 or whatever, uh, church buildings we've been able to build. Once again, that's him. That's not me. And so, um, <clears throat> Anyway, but, but as we look back, as I look back on things that, that we've been able to do, you know, those things just don't happen. I don't wake up and, and we got a thousand church plants. There were a lot of things that went into that, and that was the fruit of it. That, that's what, if you put all those pieces together, that's, that's what you create. And so, if we're going to, you know, if we're going to impact our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world, I'm quoting Acts 1.8, right? If we're going to do that, there are a whole lot of pieces that have to take place. To, and then something is created. And so we have to focus on the pieces and not the end product. While you're, fo you're focusing on the end product, but you're putting the pieces together to get there. And so as I look back, the thing, you know, the things, to be honest with you, talking as a missionary, that the things I'm most proud of are the things that were way out of my realm that I just sucked it up and did it. And, and, and made a decision, I'm going to do this for the good of another. And so, um, you know, as I look back, I'm thankful for these numbers, but, um, you know, I'm thankful. We got called, there was, a, there was a great earthquake in Haiti, 2010, and uh, where 250,000 people died, and the church sent money, or this church sent money as well as other churches, and we shipped in a generator and some other things. There were some orphans, there was 50 orphans living under a tree. And for like three months, it took us three months to get uh, in multiple trips to get this orphanage back to where these kids could, could even live in it. And so when I show up, now once again, I can tell, talk to you about crusades and thousands of people come to Christ. But, but to be honest with you, this is what I'm, 
this is probably what I'm most proud of, is we showed up, and these kids are under a tree, and, and, as, and as rude as this sounds, uh, they had been using the same toilets that were out of order for three months. 50 kids in Haiti. And so when I say it's hot, it's 90 degrees. And so I got a team with me, and, uh, you know, the only way to, the only way to get it fixed is somebody puts their hand there and cleans it out. And so I got all taped up, and, you know, I'm not going to ask somebody else to do something, that, you know, before me. And so, you, you know, you got to get in there and clean it out. And so I, there's pictures of me as a missionary. The only thing you can see is my eyes. And so I got hefty bags taped all around me, and all you can see is this. And, you know, and so, but you get it cleaned out, you fix the toilets, and then the kids were so thankful that they had running water and, and toilets again. You know, nobody wanted to hug me. I don't know why. They didn't want to hug me. But, uh, you know, and then I, I took another guy, and we took jackhammers. The roof was, uh, the roof, you know, uh, was uh, cement roof. And it was, you know, it was rebar. And we got up, you know, and it, I think it was 98 degrees. We're jackhammering his roof off all day long. So why am I telling this story? Because I don't, I mean, that's not necessarily my calling to run jackhammers and, and do plumbing. But if you're going to advance the gospel, sometimes you got to step out of your frame and your gifting and just suck it up and do it for the betterment of others. And so as I look back, there were some really hard things. That, you know, learning Spanish was really difficult for me. And, um, you know, they still call me Tarzan in Cuba, but, but I can communicate. But, you know, things like that. And, and I'm thankful for the million souls and a thousand church plants. But there are so many pieces that went into that. And um, I, I can tell you assuredly that if you're going to do something for God that when the day you go home to glory that you're going to look back and be proud of, there are going to be days, I promise you, you're going to have to step out of your comfort level and, and just do it. do it. Do it for the betterment, for the bigger, bigger picture. And so, <clears throat> it's the same thing here at Christian Assembly. Is for us to advance as a church and for us to fulfill what God has destined this church to fulfill we are all going to have to step out of our comfort zone and get together as a team and just piece this thing, you know, put the pieces together and, and create, if I can put it that way. And so, um, you know, it, it's difficult. <clears throat> I'll say I, it's not difficult. It is a hindrance. I'm not going to say it's a hindrance, all right? I don't know the word to use, so make up your own word. But, uh, you know, when you have a pastor that teaches deep, you know, and he, he's a gifted, he is as gifted at putting a message together and delivering it as very few people have ever seen. Maybe Charles Stanley, maybe, that's just his gifting, right? So um, the tendency is to sit in a pew and say, I am such an immature Christian, I need like 30 more years of this before I grasp something, before I can do something. And it, it is easy to uh, um, use, be a stumbling block because, hey, I'm not where this guy's at. And... Um, but God can use all of us in, in, in great ways. And so we can't allow that because he has a gifting for teaching and maybe I, don't, I can't teach a word like him or whatever. We can't use that as a stumbling, you know, allow that to hinder us from moving forward. That, that's his gifting. You have another gifting, I, you know, my gifting somewhere else. So don't even look at that. Is, you know, focus on what God's called us to do and, and figure the big picture out and what can I do to piece this together what do I need to do to keep this thing moving forward, right? So that, that's how we need to look at it. As we do that, 
as we move forward and we begin to act, you know, as we get out of the boat and begin to act, we do eventually want to get in the gifting that God has for us. And, um, you know, the Bible says in Romans eleven twenty nine, for the gifts of God, <clears throat> for the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. There are giftings within you. And so there are two things that as you serve, as we serve as a church, um, you know, if you go back here in the kitchen at any time, you know, you'll see the Burgesses. And so, you know, they live back there. I don't know if you know that. They sold their house, and uh, uh, Chris and Bill actually live back there. They have cots, and at nighttime, they move, you know, they, they move them out in the day so you don't see them. I'm just kidding. But, uh, but anyway, uh, you know, we all have giftings. But for us to fulfill, to move Christian Assembly forward, you want to get in your gifting, but I promise you, you're going to be spending... 40% of your time, 30% of the time, if we're going to do that, you know, if we're going to move this forward outside of your gifting, we've, we've got to do both, right? And so, once again, to win a million souls, my gifting is sharing the gospel with people on the street or standing on a stage and, and sharing, you know, Jesus' message. That, that's where I feel the greatest anointing. But for us to achieve that, when I share those numbers, you know, Probably most of that time, I, was, I wasn't doing that. I was doing administrative work. I was, you know, driving. You know, I had to get a CDL. I had to learn Spanish. I had to do all these other things. So that could happen. And so for us to fulfill something great with Christian Assembly, once again, not talking about the building, but if we're going to fulfill something great, you're going to have to operate in your gifting and outside your gifting for us to make this happen. And if we don't, once again... The, the body won't grow. For us to grow, you've just got to do it. And I, I don't know how else to say, say it. Is, you know, if you look back on the day you got saved, you're like, listen, I'll do anything for you. I'll sweep floors, I'll clean toilets, I'll do whatever. That's got to be our mentality today. Is, you know, and if we think we are above that, that is, that is a measure of pride. And so if I'm too good to clean a toilet or put my hand in a toilet in Haiti so a kid can come use a bathroom, if I'm, if I'm bigger than that, then that is the measure of pride, right, that I'm operating in. My life, once again, what I shared Sunday, is as a Christian, Christian Christianity is not free. There is no aspect that it is as free. You've heard it's free, but it's not. It costs Jesus' life, and for you to receive Christ and be saved, it costs you your life. God, here's my life. You do it anything you want. I'll serve you. I'll, you know, anything you want to do. Remember that prayer? Well, that, that wasn't for one day. That's for, for the rest of your life. You lay it all down. And so, Jesus said this, you know, if any man come at, comes after me, he must first deny himself. And so, there is a denial that takes place. God, I'm willing to sweep floors or do whatever I got to do. And take up their cross daily and follow me. Amen. So, we, we need to be willing uh, to do whatever. Next, we need to, once again, capture, capture the vision. Um, of the, of the church, and once again, the vision of the church is not building. It, it's, not, it's not this. The vision of the church is a widow woman in Africa that she is not going to get saved unless we get to her. The vision and purpose of the church, the end game, once again, is, uh, you know, in Latin America, is getting the gospel into, into a communist nation. I, you know, I don't know if you ever think along these lines, but I think, I think like this often, is on TV Tower Road, Engle Road, right down the road. I promise you, there is somebody praying tonight. Their kid is lost. Their kids, you know, their kids on the street. They have no idea where they're at. Somewhere on that road, somebody's somebody's underneath praying tonight for their lost lost child. 
you know, there's people within a mile of here. I promise you their kid is strung out somewhere and somebody got to go get them. And we are built for that. This is what, this is our entire purpose is to reach them. And so God wants you blessed. God wants you healthy. God wants you prospered. Agreed. But it is for us to go as a team and reach these people. So I can remember uh, we had a kid, we had a guy named here, his name was Dwayne. And Dwayne, uh, he was one of my best street, you know, workers I ever had. And so uh, one day, Dwayne, I'll just say a family member, uh, went out and, and returned back to the drug scene. And Dwayne called me, he said, hey, you know, let's, let's see if we can go find this person. And so uh, I'm like, all right, well, let's go. And so, you know, I didn't get saved when I was 19, but I never got into drugs, thank God. My dad threatened to kill me, and I believed him. And so I never did any. And so, uh, but, you know, I get a heart for people, hopefully, most of the time. And I do. And so uh, I'm like, yeah, man, let's go. So we drove down. I don't know if you remember where the Windsor Lounge is at. What's that street that goes down to Windsor? Is that 9th Street or 11th Street Hill? Is that 11th Street? Yeah, you get down 11th Street and a Windsor Lounge sat on your left and then you turn right and Harmony Dwellings is... Harmony? Harmony Dwellings back in there. All right, so I'm not going to tell you which street, but not far from there, there were, there were one after another drug houses. And so we started going to these houses one after another. And we'd bang on the door and, and uh, this one house, it was all... Uh, they had, they had uh, blankets over the window so you couldn't see in. So they open the door and we go in and there are people strung out on the floor everywhere. And it's all like crystal meth. Uh, it's heroin at this time. And, and it's, you know, he's looking for his wife. Or his, his uh, sorry. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> so wasn't there. But, you know, this was an eye-opening experience even for me. And so... Uh, you know, you see some things working in the homeless ministry and things like that. But when you're standing here looking down at somebody's child, and they have pockmarks from digging from, from crystal meth and things like that, and you're looking down at this, I mean, if that doesn't move you, like, dear God, that, you know, I, I'm a Christian. What can I do to reach these people or whatever? Um, you know, I don't know how you can be a Christian and not have compassion towards somebody's kid like that. So um, I think shortly after that, uh, you know, we had started a homeless ministry and things like that. But th this, this is what we are created for. We are created to bring life to somebody's child. We're, we're created to bring uh, health. There were just two homeless girls living down in East Liverpool. We were trying to, trying to reach them. They were in tents down by the river. Uh, there was another homeless guy in back at Chester. We were trying to reach him. And so, uh, you know, in, in these different areas. And so each one of us has a gift, and as we put our gifts together, we, we work together, and the Bible says the body grows as each, each member does its part. So I want to leave you guys with this, is that, um, once again, to, I, guess, I guess to uh, summarize, is we as a church are, you know, are us as a team, that we've been brought together. The way we create is living humble. You, you have to be, you know, live with humility, that I'm not bigger than sweeping a floor. If we're bigger than sweeping a floor, if we're bigger than cleaning a toilet, then you're going to be limited what you can do for God. You have to be willing to get dirty to help somebody. And so we have to be willing to work as a team. Number two, 
we have to be doers. And part of you doing, if we're going to create together, if you're going to create as a church, if Christian Assembly is going to continue to create as a body, you want to operate in your gifting, but I promise you a, a, a fair percentage is going to be outside your gifting. We're just, it just, that bridge needs gapped. And so, um, you know, so we work together as a team and as we create. And then thirdly, once again, is we got to have people, you know, be people with compassion. We have to see the big picture that we are not, you know, we're not here. When we surrender our lives, we did it for them. So we can work together to reach these people in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Amen? There's a couple areas we need help around the church. You knew I was going to recruit you, so I am. So uh, there are some areas that we need some church. I'm going to say these things, and what's going to happen is, is God, something might feel fuzzy, might feel good on the inside of you, and maybe that's something for you to consider. Even if you can help us for three months, even if it's outside of your calling, these are areas we need help, okay? And so... <clears throat> These are some things, areas we build up in the past, and um, our leaders stepped aside or, or what have you, and so we need some help in these areas. Number one, we put together an advertising team um, to figure out ways that we can promote the church. You know, we, we give glory to God for that we're in America, that we're, we're here, the land of the free, we can sit here all night long, nobody's going to run us out, but we're also not on a highway. And so we don't have 6,000 people driving by every day. We, we, you know, we've we've kind of got to be proactive. We used to have an advertising team. Everything is put together and structured there and all that. I need somebody to help me with that, that uh, will be willing to figure creative ways where we can get Jesus out. We're not promoting a church building. We're promoting Jesus. Come find Jesus and seek Jesus with us. That's what we're doing. And so um, if, you, you know, if you'd be willing to do that, we've got to... We've got to put that together. Now, somebody said, well, advertising isn't my thing. Well, I know that's why I just shared the message. Is that we need, I need help. And so uh, maybe this isn't your gifting, but maybe you can op operate outside your gifting for a little bit and help us, help us get this going. And once again, the end game is getting people saved. Come seek Jesus with us. Hey, we all need a Savior. Come seek Him with us. And, and so that's where we want to get. Uh, we also need some help in some other areas. Uh, college and career. We're trying to get into some of these schools, and um, I'm, I'm taking a test. I've been super busy um, taking a test to try to get a uh, to get some Christian organizations in some of the local schools. And so it's been recommended to me. We try to get in Beaver. Uh, Beaver started a program last year, so we, we we're looking at Lincoln Park. We're looking at Blackhawk. Uh, we'd like to get into uh, now Geneva College has a strong FCA. I'm trying to investigate what, what is in Beaver Falls um, as well as, uh, you know, we're going to look over. Uh, now, Cheryl and Harry Rogers are involved with Young Life out in uh, Salineville, out in there, that area. But we're going to look at uh, East Liverpool and, and Wellsville and things like that. Even if you don't live in those areas, I, I just need manpower. I need somebody to help me if we're going to get in these schools, uh, things like that. I need people to help us in the parking lot ministry. Somebody said, well, how does that help? Well, it helps us connect with them. 80% of people, visitors, decide within the first 10 minutes, I think it is, whether they're ever going to come back and visit the church again or not. We need to connect with them uh, in, a, in a good way, in a strong way. Uh, you know, so we need people to help in the parking lot ministry. If you can hold a sign, if you can you know, offer direction, if you can say, hello, my name is so-and-so, what's your name? If, you, if you're capable of doing that, we can use you. And so, you know, we want to reach people going up and down the street as well. So we have two golf carts in the back we haven't used in a while because we, we're short on manpower. 
with a parking lot ministry. If you can drive, we can use you in a golf cart. So, uh, you know, that might be a good way as well. Uh, you know, we need to take some cookies to some different schools and try to reach the teachers and get in, and that might help us get some Christian programs in there as well. Um, I recommended this when we did America the Christian Nation message. Uh, you know, we need some people to volunteer to get on uh, some board, uh, some school boards and things like that. that. That's not involving me, but I could help you, um, you know, to get in, into some areas to get some, you know, vote, get some Christianity back in some of these schools and things like that. So we have a hundred ways we can use you guys. If you are willing, we'd love to sit down and have a conversation with you and see how we can put pieces together and create together and see if we can reach some of these people here as well as overseas. So, uh, you know, I'll leave you with this. God told us in Acts 1-8 to reach our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the othermost parts of the world. That is not, uh, that's not chronological. It's, it's not reach here and then Judea, which would be Pittsburgh, and then Samaria, and then the othermost parts of the world. He said you'll do them all. And so if, we can, if we're driving a, a golf cart, we can also pray for nations. Maybe you can do them both at the same time. You know, or maybe you can send money overseas and, uh, you know, we can sponsor some people and, and somebody's closed nation or whatever. But listen, I encourage you guys to pray and uh, not only pray, but be active. All right. So what's going to happen? The Bible says that the devil comes immediately to steal, kill and destroy. You're going to leave here. You're going to put on a song and 10 minutes down the road, you're going to forget a lot of this. So I'm asking you to make a commitment to God tonight. God, I'm going to do something. I'm going to volunteer once a month. I'm going to volunteer twice a month. I'm going to go help. Uh, help the church, Christian Assembly, in any way I can, even if it's outside my, my gifting, to, to uh, fill those pieces in so the body can grow. And as the body grows, then we'll be able to do more and more, have more volunteers. But we all got to be on board and working together. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Let's all stand up. Father, we honor and bless you. We encounter an honor and privilege to be in your house tonight. We thank you, Father, for, uh, for using us together as a team, as a group. Uh, Father God, to, to promote your gospel in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and uttermost parts of the world. And Father God, we just ask you to, to reveal to us how we can be involved, how we can uh, participate in working as a team. And uh, we do hold you and your word accountable, Father God, that the body will grow, that we'll be able to do more and more as we all work together as one team. And uh, Father God, we just thank you for it in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Uh, real quick, a woman from Moon needs help uh, cutting up trees. Uh, she's, she's a tremendous help for us with the homeless ministry preparing food. When I say help, I mean tremendous help. And she's like buffet. She's providing uh, for these homeless that we're putting out. She needs a little bit of help. Her husband is in, uh, is in bad condition. If anybody wants to help or know somebody, they'll be willing to uh, cut up some trees for her. She could use some help. Amen.